Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Over the wall, off the crossbar, surely in, Salah makes it three. Rose now into the box, Lamella arriving, left footed drive into the far corner. It's a sumptuous Tottenham Hotspur goal. Finds Aubameyang! And Arsenal do have a second goal. Gundogan again looking to guide one in. What a beautiful goal. He tries to tee it up to Moutinho, who does score. And the equaliser for Wolves. Chelsea are coming forward here with Hazard, who's wriggling past one challenge from Keita. Going past Moreno and firing a delicious goal. A wonderful goal into the corner. It's a sensational finish from Edin Hazard after a delicate dance through the Liverpool defence. It's the Premier League preview show for game week seven of the 18-19 season. I'm Tom Runyon coming up on the show this week. Liverpool lost to Chelsea in the cup, but the first team will return to take on the Blues on Saturday. Can they succeed in stopping Hazard where the understudies fail? Elsewhere, what next for Paul Pogba? Again, upsetting Mourinho on Instagram as United lost to Derby County. What a pair of hashtags. Will the Frenchman play against West Ham at the weekend? Those two top stories and eight other matches to get through on this week's show. Let's introduce our panel fidgeting in their seats in anticipation of a top Premier League debate. Let's say hello to Talk Sports football editor David Walker. Dave, what's going on, mate? You well? I would have been a bit better if Deli Alley wasn't quite so on form last night, but yeah. you know. <laughs> I find it really weird that Milton Keynes, Milton Keynes United, not Dons, because of course there's only one Dons, but I don't want to get into all that with their international audience. They might not know who those teams are. Uh, but it annoyed me a lot, all these pictures of Deli Alley around the Milton Keynes Stadium. He was there for like 20 minutes. <laughs> Like, his, his career is going to be a Tottenham player, an England he's, he's player. An, he's an MK boy, isn't he? He barely played for the team for, like, one season. None of his best years oh, are ever going to be yeah. there. I'm over it. It's very annoying. On. No, you brought it up, Dave. That's now the topic of the show. <laughs> I'm sure he celebrated those goals last night as well. So uh, Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and you just heard there the wonderful dulcet tones, the former West Ham Crystal Palace and Cardiff defender. He has to sit through so much Cardiff football. He's very depressed. Danny <laughs> Gavinan's here. How are you, mate? I'm very well, mate. How are you? I'm doing good. West Ham on 8-0, so we can be happy this week. <laughs> Play also, the kids. also the kids. with us on the show, uh, Paul Parker, former Man U Fulham England defender. You okay? 
I'm fine, thank you. Uh, great to have you back with us here on the preview show. Uh, a reminder, if you're listening to this show on a radio station, you can download an extended podcast, search for TalkSport Premier League Preview Show on Acast, iTunes, or any other good podcast provider. Right, let's start the show this week at Stamford Bridge, 5.30 UK time on Saturday. Chelsea up against Liverpool. The Reds looking to win their first seven games in a top-flight campaign for only the second time, also doing it in 1990-91. The only side to win their opening seven games in a Premier League campaign, Chelsea, back in 2005-06. And of course, the two teams met in the Carabao Reserve Team Cup in midweek. Um, Paul, let's come to you first on this, a 2-1 victory for Chelsea in that game. There's going to be a lot of changes. I'm thinking maybe eight or nine for Liverpool, maybe the same amount for Chelsea. So can we learn anything, take anything from that Carabao Cup game? I think that... um... You could see by the, just by the way Klopp was, it bothered him because he just want he didn't he didn't want to lose. He would have maybe accepted losing by penalties, but to lose actually within ninety minutes like that, I think that would have bothered him on that side of it. Can we take? Can you take anything from it to go into the game Saturday? Not really. If you're talking about both teams maybe making a minimum of seven changes, but I think if we say about it, the seven cha- changes for Liverpool does make them stronger than what Chelsea's seven changes could be. Gab, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think the one thing you can say is, yes, there will be lots of changes in personnel, but both teams will not change in style of play. So I think Jurgen Klopp, that would have helped him a lot, I think, yesterday, looking the loss. Chelsea. Well, not the loss, but looking how Chelsea play, and particularly first half, you know, the ease in which they kind of cut through that Liverpool midfield. Um, I think Jurgen Klopp, would have well, I think he was after the game a, a little bit disappointed, particularly with the first half and his midfield not pressing at the right time. Obviously, there's going to be players coming in who who know that the, the, their jobs and the role a little bit better, and then what kind of Fabinho did coming into the team last night. So, I think he would have been, been intrigued to see how Chelsea kind of set up and play. You'll take a lot from that. Um, and of course, you know Hazard, the goal he scored in 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 the second half. There, they're going to have to do a job on him. So, um, I don't see Keita playing. I know he, he did okay going forward last night, but I still think the defensive side of the game, he's still learning. If you look at him in, with a Hazard goal, he he kind of has a little nibble at him. Doesn't really do enough. Um, so I can't see him playing just for that fact. You know that midfield three is going to have to be really solid and, and workmanlike, and they're going to have to double up on Hazard. Um, otherwise, he's going to cause a a lot of problems for whoever he plays against. You know, he roams all over all over the place. So um, it's it's going to be an intriguing game, intriguing game, um, and obviously Liverpool's first kind of real test. I think. I think the key thing for Liverpool will be that the back five will change. You'd expect mm. completely. And you had Moreno playing yesterday at left back. And, oh, yeah, you know, Hazard it. switched over to the right hand side and scored that goal, didn't he? At the end, and Hazard is a fantastic player. He can he can score goals against anyone, but it'd be much tougher to do so against Liverpool's first choice back five. I thought you was going to say, oh, <laughs> well, well, that's me up right now. This, anyway. We don't have the budget to rebuild the studio. Okay, so don't smash the place. Ejector seat in the Plus, studio. <laughs> Suddenly gone taller in my chair. I'm gonna keep this chair. Um, I thought you was gonna say something like his job was made easier by Moreno because that's the obvious thing to come out and say because everyone knows he's a poor defender. And Hazard went past him. I, don't, I think he nutmegged, nutmegged him. him. I think four yards yeah, away. I think he did. He went past him, and Moreno wasn't there. I think he went out for an ice cream when he went past him. It was it was scandalous what he done. But it is right. They will change. One thing is Van Dyke's back. 
Mm. Um, no one talks about Van Dyke. When they do when they, they do talk about Van Dyke, they talk about what a defender is. They don't mention how much he costs because he's proved his worth already. Yeah. Young Gomez has done well next to him as well. It's a better pairing they've had. So you don't put Lover and you don't put Matty next no, to him this weekend. No. You stick with Gomez. Oh, you stick with Gomez when you see it because he's because he's he's got that bit he can make up he covers around him, he's got good good energy and he can read the game as well. And compared to Loverun He's decent on the ball as well. He's comfortable in the way every team wants to play now. He suits what they want to do. Uh, on Chelsea, uh, we mentioned Eden Hazard there. A uh, fantastic form he's been in. Another great goal in midweek. Four goals in his last two Premier League home games. He'd scored that many in his previous 17 at Stamford Bridge. A man a lot happier under a manager that likes to get forward. I thought he was fantastic. I was at the game on Sunday against West Ham. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Maybe the, the only real standout performer from Chelsea on the day, in my opinion. Uh, why has his form improved so much? And is this going to be the 40-goal season where Hazard does something spectacular for Chelsea? One of the things that's been said is that Sarri has said, don't come back. And he plays plays his team higher, so the saying goes. But he's saying to Hazard, I want you to do what you done last night. What you done last night. You're going to work in that final third. Your energy is going to be spent doing that. And you have to say, when you watch Hazard play... He goes and takes the pressure off his own teammates. He says, give me the ball. I mean, he, yeah. he lent the ball to Aspiaqueta and he virtually made another position and said, now give it back. Now, that's great for Aspiaqueta and Hazard goes and scores a goal like that. But if you're watching it and as a manager and you're seeing your best player going to the halfway line to get it, to run at people, breaks down and, all of, and then all of a sudden you're chasing the game, he's chasing extra lungs. Mm. He's doing too much work and previous managers have made him work back and he's done it. But now he doesn't really want to do. It. I think when you look at him, he's an he's an honest player, and he's willing, and he's and he's um, and he likes to work with his teammates as well. So you're never going to take that away from him. But you try and lighten his load, and I think his load has been lightened. Mm. He looks happy to me. Looks happy. Looks driven. He looks motivated. I think he's enjoying the way that the team set up and how they how they play. Um, Sari's just freed him up. Um, you know, at times we've seen him on that kind of left hand side. Um, maybe a little bit kind of isolated, but he's got freedom just to roam. He can go wherever he wants. He's almost like a, an advanced playmaker now, really. Um, you know, as Paul said, he's going and demanding the ball off people. Um, but I think he's going to have to probably get 20, 30 goals if Chelsea are going to challenge for the league. So they, they don't have that prolific striker. Marata again last night. You know, we had a, a really mm. good chance to score. It's just not happening for him. Giroud is not that guy either. Um, so, you know, William, Pedro... And Hazard are probably going to have to get kind of 20-odd goals of pieces this season if they're going to challenge. I'm surprised friends. you never said something else, Dan. You being a fellow defender that you talked about, he's got to get you know, 20, 30 yeah. goals for Chelsea to compete to win a league. I would have gone the other end of the pitch and I would have talked about what's behind him. Because yeah. when you talk about David Luiz behind, behind mm. you, that's a problem. Probably yeah. him and Cahill this weekend as well. Rudiger's got a bit of a knock, so that'll probably yeah. be the pairing they use. Yeah. Maybe Christensen, but it's probably going to be Cahill. He, went off. Christensen come off, he went off. Did he get injured, injured in the game? Yeah, he, right, okay. off, yeah. he was a bit shaky, actually, as mm. well. So um, that, you make a very good point there. Um, I think Luiz and Rudiger, for me, um, in the games that I've seen, have looked a little bit vulnerable. Um and you do need a, a solid kind of back line if you're going to challenge for, for honours as well. And what I would say, that midfield is probably as good as anything mm. in the league for me. I think Kovacic is a is a very good player. Uh, Jorginho, um, I think maybe on the defensive side, he might get found out a bit against Liverpool. We'll, we'll see what his defensive is like. Is better than Liverpool's like. three midfield, you think? Yeah, I think so. Do you I think... think so. 
Can I ask you? I want to ask you all about this Jorginho thing because I'm a bit yeah. baffled by it. Right? I was at the game at the weekend. He had 180 passes, a Premier League record. No one's ever done that many passes in yeah. Premier League. It's for my. Oh. He had 180 passes. Only one of them had any impact on the game. That was the clip towards Giroud where he asked Giroud to do an overhead kick to score a goal. It's all well and good saying I've had a, th- a thousand passes, a load of touches yeah, of the ball. He has no impact not, on the is game. Is that not a one-dimensional way of looking at it? Well, this you is know, what his, I'm asking. His passes Maybe might is. not be the ones, but he might give the ball to the other players then go and do you know, the, the assists or score the goals or but make can, the key can passes. can no one not do the two-yard... I could do a two-yard pass right to Gabs right now. I'm fantastic at it. If you need someone just to pass simple balls in, into space under no pressure, I could do that. And they've taken the best player in that position in world football out of that position. I've got N'Golo Kante running down the right wing. It's madness. Like, two times against West Ham, the man in the box on the end of the move is Kante. End of the first half, he's got a header from eight yards that Kovacic would have put in. I think Jorginho probably would have put in. But Kante's in there. It's all well and good having a little metronomic player. That's fine. Everyone kind of wants one of those guys. But what impact is he having on the game? And against West Ham, maybe I'm using it because I was there at the game as an isolated incident. But everyone going mad about it, I'm not getting it. And I think that's a great point, Dave. What about you two guys? Would you would you agree? Where do you see it? Am I just one-dimensional? Am I the Neil Warnock of this conversation? I don't think it's benefited Kante, to be honest with you. I think the position he's playing in now, that number eight, he doesn't look as comfortable, um, not as involved in the game, I would say. Um, but he is capable, he's doing a job, basically, in that position. So you, I don't think you're getting the best out of him. But Jorginho, I think... It's not about the killer passes with him. He's the guy that kind of dictates the tempo. He's kind of the heartbeat of the team. He's the guy that keeps things ticking over when they win possession back. He's he's that kind of security net, really. You know, you, he hardly ever gives the ball away. And he, you're not going to see him playing those kind of defence-splitting passes that often, but he just keeps things kind of ticking over. That's his job. He's the heartbeat of the team. So um, from that point of view, I think he is a very good player, but... I don't think he's the most mobile. I don't think he's the most um, defensive kind of savvy either. So I, I think the defensive side of his game will be tested now on the weekend against Liverpool for sure. I would. I'm not a big fan of all these stats. No, I hate stats. All this stuff. I mean, we got we got Jordan Henderson, this great passer of the ball, but Jordan, you know, there's there's more chance of me getting forward and scoring my head than him passing the ball forward. You know, that's a, that, that, that's to me. But I've heard his favourite colour is grey. Oh, good. <laughs> Well, that sounds about right. But the thing the thing that does more than anything is the way we are about this is is our British mentality. We're not used to seeing those kind of players. We wasn't I mean what was a defensive midfield player before all of a sudden the Premier League started going, then all of a sudden we're bringing these players in from all over the world and he's a defensive midfield player. Well no, we played two midfield players and one goes forward, the other one holds and they swap. They kind mm. of well, that's how it was for us. It's we, kind of for over now. That is, no one really does no, that anymore. No one does it anymore. I mean, I played with two great ones. Well, three of them. If you take three of them, who would play together as two was Robson, Keane, and Ince. They're, but when they went, they went up and back. If you said to them, "Oh, you're my defensive," they would have turned around and gone mad. No, no, no. Hold on a minute. I'm willing to dig in there, but I want to. I want to go up there. I want a bit. I want a bit of the prawn sandwich up there. I don't want to be doing all this, eating all this raw, raw spam at the back with these, with these two. With these Are you two hungry big, today? These two big ugly centre. Someone get Paul Parker a sandwich. Come on. But but, but that's and all of a sudden we're being changed and like we're seeing. Yeah. You know now we've got these holding midfield players. Now we've got this attacking midfield player. All these different positional names has come from the way the Premier League's gone. So it's something we're not used to and. And I, I get what's been said about, it's not about the winning pass, it's not about that winner, it's that leading up to it, isn't it? A good story needs 
needs a fantastic script. It needs a bit of a build-up. needs a foundation. And maybe that Jorginho is the foundation that Chelsea are building from. A uh, fantastic game coming up this weekend. The late game on Saturday. Uh, I just think you're going to need goals galore in this one. I really do. I think both sides will score. And, and I think we're in for a real treat for this one. Uh, and, of course, Liverpool. Uh, great winning run. Chelsea would retake top. Seeing our City do as well. Could go into next weekend. Top of the table. Uh, fantastic game coming up. Right, we're going to move on to Man U up next. Because they're dominating the front and back pages once again. Because it seems Mourinho is unhappy with Instagram. Don't Instagram during the games. Watch the games. I agree. Phil Jones, only his second appearance of the season. Right-footed, saved by Carson. And Manchester United are out of the League Cup. Beaten on penalty kicks by Derby County. Frank Lampard celebrates. Phil Jones looks to the heavens. He misses the crucial kick. And Derby, quite deservedly, go through to round four. Let's move on to West Ham United up against Manchester United. 12.30 kickoff this Saturday. Uh, we've got a former Manchester United player in the group with us, in Paul Parker. Paul, let's talk about Paul Pogba. We have to do it. I try and avoid doing it. And yet every week there's another Pogba story. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the video. I'm sure the whole panel has seen the video of, of what happened in training. And it just felt like a great big setup. Like the Instagram guy from Man U just happened to be at training at that point and he can call him over and ask when he posted it out. Tell me what Mourinho's game is here and tell me if Pogba plays this weekend. Can he play this weekend? Well, it does seem strange that all of a sudden on the training, on the training ground there is the person, the press officer's out. I've never never known that before. I don't know if Dan has. Have you ever known that, Danny? A press um, officer at a training ground? Actually dressed in training kit. Not in there training are, no. kit, but maybe if it's a media day, you yeah. might be there or whatever. Yeah. So it seemed a bit strange. It seems odd, though, doesn't it? It, cam- it still yeah. felt weird, like yeah, a plant. The, yeah, but the sky cameras are there as well, mm. which obviously Jose Mourinho would have been aware of. And then he wants to have a pop at Paul Pogba um, about something when he knows the cameras are there. And he make, and then he wants to pull a face. And then you think, so if, if there was an issue, the way of doing it would have been that when Paul Pogba drives in in his chauffeur-driven Rolls-Royce, he sees him get out of his car, he walks in, and he gives him the curly finger. Nothing worse than that, seeing that curly finger from your boss. And all your teammates see it, and you know you're going to get pelts from them. And then he could have dealt with the situation. and gone out in the training field. A good manager should never bear grudges, would never bear grudges. So, you, so if there is a problem, it's all dealt with. You come out and train, job done. But he wanted to make a point in front of other people, so looking at that whole thing and people, a lot of people are blaming Paul Pogba and you have to blame for what's gone on, but you have to blame Manchester United as a club to allowing it to happen from the first time he signed that emoji thing going around the pitch. Mm. Hadn't done anything in a Manchester United shirt, yet they're doing all that. Eric Antler turned up. It took him maybe 12, 12 months or so for anything to happen regarding him. And yet all of a sudden we're talking to somebody at the moment in time can't lace Eric's boots. Mm. And then all that goes on, and you've got the situation with the manager, and you're looking at it, and you think, who? if it's your children, you're going to turn around, you're going to make your mind up, you're going to go, and I'll tell you what, both of you can go into that bedroom, stay in there, and don't come out until I tell you. Both of them together, because neither of them are blameless in this scenario. One is not managing the situation, the other one's behaving like a spoilt kid. should be dealt with. The club are going to have to do something about it, because Manchester United, on the pitch... As a team playing football, they're tarnished at this moment in time. Off the pitch, they're, they're tarnished as well. I think it's a bit of a, a, a desperate move from Mourinho because 
Yeah, I, I take your point, Paul. Pogba isn't playing at his best. He's not playing like he played for France, like he played for Juventus before. But the whole team are not playing at their best. Mourinho's team are being outplayed by Derby, mm. outplayed by Wolves. You know, they're losing big games and they're not firing. They're, they're miles away, really, from, from being where Manchester United should be. You forgot Watford. Yeah. I can't believe you haven't said that. I mean, look, they got the win. They got <laughs> the win that day. They got the win that day well, and, they, 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 and they did okay, but they could they could have easily drawn that game. But on another but, side, of, you know, look at it another way, mate. They're four games unbeaten, two great wins on the road. I mean, yeah, fair enough, they lost on penalties to Derby, but, you know, it's a toss-up. That's the way penalties goes. They got a draw against a decent team with their second 11 out. Uh, Wolves were a very good team Sorry. and they got something from it. Yeah, well, it was Derby a good team and United played their second no, no, 11. No, 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 you said second 11. Who had their second 11 out? United did. Oh, come on, that team. Where's Pogba? On the, he's there. No, he's a, lot of, internationals. a lot of that yeah. team have played together. They've played that together. A, they didn't was, lose in 90 minutes, though, so, did no, they? It was a, a tough game, didn't Matt lose it. Lingard and Martial is a front yeah. feed. That should be Matt good Matter's not in the first team at Man U these days, is he? He's a 33-year-old past it, but of course it matters. It's the second team. You're on about these days. Last season he was. So I don't first goal in like ten years. Yeah, Tom, on, I'm loving Tom, the fact. First goal since he never had his ball patch. Yeah, Tom, player. I'm loving the fact you're giving Manchester United an excuse. There's no excuse. Derby. No excuse. Yeah. So there's the At home. Well, you're, you're defending Man United before they play West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> from the games, from the games we're talking about here, right? And, and obviously the sideshow of Pogba Mourinho is obviously a big topic, and I wonder whether he does play this weekend. But if Mourinho sets his team up, he picks that. If you guys are all saying they're a team of internationals, where well, Matt is amazing, you know, fair enough. Uh, so it's the players' fault, right? It's not Mourinho's fault. He put a team out that should have beaten Wolves, should have beaten Derby. You can't blame the manager for underperformance of Martial and all the other guys that played in midweek, right? I'll tell you what, it's amazing and our managers get the sack. If they're blameless, blame the sack the players. No manager should ever be sacked then, Tom. Well, in this, in, in, this in, in this instance, everyone, everyone, you know, I'm one of the many people that gives it to Mourinho. However... He's right, isn't he, when he says they gave me 90%. If they gave 100%, we'd have won this one. Um, why are they giving 90%? Well, you Maybe t- they'd give 100% for someone else. You tell me why, why they're not giving 100%. Surely professionals are meant to do that, aren't they? Whoever the manager of, is. Of course. but it's You not... gave 100% for Uncle Avram, didn't you, Gav? <laughs> I tried. But, um, but it <laughs> he was, he was even asleep, wasn't he? It, it becomes difficult. Um, and for me, I think Mourinho is plain and simply has, has just lost the dressing. The players um, don't like him, don't want to play for him anymore. And I think Paul Pogba... Is probably been the, the spokesman for the rest of the squad. He's the one player there who's, who's got the balls to kind of um, stand up to Mourinho and actually tell him how it is. And we we know Mourinho doesn't like that. It's his way or the highway. So, look, Pogba, some of the things that he's done, um, he hasn't acted the right way either. Um, so for, them, for him to come out and say certain things is difficult and um, for him to justify certain things if he's not conducting himself the right way as well. But I think the players have just had enough of it and I think Pogba's the guy that's come out and, and said things and, and Mourinho obviously now I think he knows he's lost a dress room and I think he's just trying to take people out with him as many people out with him as he can can I, can I get the players perspective on this because I, I found this quite interesting I was seeing that because Pogba was wearing a, a white outfit or whatever instead of a club tracksuit and he's Instagramming during the game and a couple of days ago it was about he's been stripped of the vice captaincy and the line was uh, that I read in the evening stand it was like um uh, the players agreed with this. The players agreed with Mourinho's public stripping of the vice captaincy from Paul Pogba. Is that not true? Then can that can that all the players have they can't have gone along with that, right? Listen, when when someone walks up to a player and asks you if you agree with something or this and that, you're just you're going you're not there isn't going to many like what Danny's mentioned there. I think he's right, and it's never crossed my mind to think that way. 
Paul Pogba has taken himself as a, taken himself on as the spokesperson, and he's going, and the players are going to to say things, and he's the one leaking it, so he's the bad apple. So what you're what you're kind of saying there, more than anything, is that the whole thing is evolving around Mourinho. Mourinho is is the problem, is the massive problem. He, well, let's get get the clucks of it. He's not going to change. Paul Pogba has made a point, and when you look at it. Pogba, Pogba is winning this battle at the moment because he is a massive commodity. Mm. Um, what about the West Ham game this weekend? Let's try and refocus on the match itself because West Ham in recent weeks, good performance and victory against Everton. I thought they, they tactically won the battle against Chelsea last week, that they Chelsea played into their hands, played down one channel, control Aiden Hazard, they did it fantastically well. Uh, and an 8-0 win against Macclesfield in the week as well. I think it's the biggest win since 1983. You should have like gone that. to that game. I know! I know, I should have gone, I should have gone, I could have got for him for a fiver. So do you think West Ham play the exact same team from last week, but um, Anatovic comes in for Antonio, do they play the same sort of way, or will they try and attack United more than they did Chelsea? Anatovic has to come back. Yeah, did, you see a, did you see Antonio play? <laughs> I thought, poor old Antonio, something's happened to him in the last 18 months, I know there's a lot of injuries. I thought that the first chance with the left foot was, I've seen a lot of players miss that chance. The second one from the six-yard box, he should have scored. Uh, but I thought he, you know, he hustled and harried well. And when he, he came off and Lucas Perez came on, you can see why Antonio started the game. Because mm. Lucas Perez is utterly pointless. Mm. But mm. I just think, I, I watch Antonio, and he, he struggles physically. For someone who so, looks so big and strong, he looks tired all the time. Every time he, he's getting strains all the time. He, he, just, he doesn't look like someone you think, wow. You look at someone like him, you go, my God, look at him. And he runs and he does it. You look at Anatovic, Anatovic stands. He, you mm. know, Anatovic is five foot two tall, but he stands six foot one. He's got this kind of upright, bit like Eric Cantona stood his height. And, he's got, and you look at him, you look cool. He looks big, strong and powerful. Everything about him is written on the can. It's a fact. You mm. look at Antonio, big, big upper upper trunk, looking thighs bigger than Mark Hughes. That tells you how big his thighs are. <laughs> he's wearing <laughs> he a pair. Look he's wearing a pair of shorts that you think to yourself, "Hold a minute, he's got." It looks like he's wearing a pair of underpants. They're that Cycling tight on him. Shorts, yeah, yeah, they're that tight on him. But yet, he everything about him written 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 on a bit of paper is not it in real life. Why is that? Why does? Why can't he last? Why yeah. can't he last ninety minutes of football? Yeah, like as you said. Tom, he has had a difficult kind of 18 months, a lot of injuries, constant kind of hamstring injuries. Um, I don't know if he looks maybe too big now. He doesn't look as sharp and as quick as as he did when he first came to West Ham. Um, I don't know what it is, if the injuries are taking their toll a little bit. Um, but no surprise um, when I saw him come off because he looked he looked spent yeah. to me. So if Anatovic is even 95%, he's, he's got to come back in. What about the improvements West Ham have made? Where have they been? What's been better about West Ham since that fourth straight defeat? Uh, defensively, I think, first and foremost, they've been better. Obviously, um, Pellegrini, he's chopped and changed. I think last weekend would have been the first time he picked you know, consecutive 11s, the same team. But obviously, Anatovic was the one who, who missed out. And he hasn't done that all season. So, um, trying to get that continuity obviously is important um he's tried 4-4-2 that didn't really work I think he got the tactics spot on on the weekend obviously the three in the middle you know Deckel and Rice just kind of sitting there um protecting the back four um that kind of combination of Diop and Balbuena um is starting to take shape a little bit more they, they look like they're understanding each other's game a bit more that high line that they've been playing I think 
they looked a bit better at that. At times, Chelsea kind of got in a few times, so it's not perfect, but they look like they're kind of understanding, holding that 18-yard box and at the right time to do it and when not to. Um, and they just had a good shape by them. Everyone was working for each other. Um, whether they play that against United, I don't know, because United will mm. give you more of the ball than what Chelsea yeah, I'll was. tell you what, you said, I mean, I've seen West Ham more than I've seen them in a long, long yeah. time even taking the point that I was out of the country for eight years but in the last back in lucky the last you season, they were terrible for that eight years <laughs> <laughs> and back in the last season start of this season I've been I've been to the London Stadium on three occasions I'm back there again at the weekend I, uh, sorry and I, I saw them away from home as well I like the two centre halves West Ham I, I like the two centre halves I like Diop I think he's, he's decent I think the one thing defining thing for me that has made West Ham look better in, in the last few games is Mark Noble coming back and I know Mark Noble takes a lot of stick from a lot of people, but I look at what he does, and you talk about George, you talk about Jorginho, you look what he does, Noble. He knows his strengths, he knows his weaknesses, and he does it simple, and he knows where to be. And defensively, they look better. The reason they're looking better is because he's in there and he gets around, he knows where to stand, he knows his job, and they look better as a team when he's back there. The problem is, when I, when I was watching West Ham early in the season, people said to me, West Ham, West Ham, I go... Mm. Not good enough in midfield. No legs, no energy, no positional strength. People running straight through them. All of a sudden, yeah. all of a sudden, Wiltshire's got injured. West Ham are looking better. I'm not a fan of Jack Wiltshire. I'm trying to understand the myth. I'm still. I don't think I'm ever going to get it because I may be stubborn like that. And I, but I'll eat humble pie if I can see something that says to me over consistent that Jack Wiltshire is this player who should have gone to this World Cup, these Euros, and done everything because I've I've never seen it and I don't think I'm ever going to see it. He, West Ham looked a better time without him. Better side, I should say. Yeah, big game this weekend for both of these teams. West Ham looking for their first home win of the season. Manu, will we see Pogba? Will we see Mourinho again after this weekend? We shall find out. Let's move on. Up next, it's Arsenal against Watford. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Watford try and create the first opportunity of the game. It's a little one-two, and the ball falls, and the ball's already in the back of the net. Andre Gray 
with his third of the season. Fulham switching off, losing possession. Is it in towards Ramsey? It's repelled by Everton. Ramsey has it again, though. Ramsey finds Lacazette, who finds the net with a wonderful curling shot. Three o'clock this Saturday, Arsenal up against Watford at the Emirates Stadium. This is the first time Watford, who are fourth right now, are facing the Gunners in sixth, ahead of them in the league table since September 1984. Watford's great start to the season, very impressive, but the Gunners coming on strong as well, winning back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. Um, Gabs, let's come to you first on this with Arsenal. What have they done in recent weeks that's impressed you? Did they impress you against Everton last weekend? Um, Not so much, no. No? No, no, I think... They've been getting away with it, haven't they? Yeah, I think they have a little bit. I think the fact they have Aubameyang, Lacazette, um, Ozil, you know, the the attacking players they have... um, is is probably getting them out of jail at the minute because defensively, you know, they still kind of look all over the place. That midfield area as well. Um, I think Torreira came in on the weekend, didn't he, and played alongside Jacko. For me, um, I can't have still. I don't know what <laughs> what he does. I know he scored a free kick the other week, but um, that's what he does. That astounded that's me, it. to be honest with you. Um, so at the minute, yeah, they, obviously, they, you know, they're still kind of work in progress and. Um, I think well they've won four on the bounce, haven't they? But but none of them have really been that convincing for me. Um, and you look at Watford with Troy Deeney and 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 Gray up top there. Um, I'd be licking my lips if I was one yeah, of those I'd, two. I do think Watford have, and, have got an opportunity this yeah. this weekend. And Watford should have beat Fulham last week. Yeah. The amount of chances they had in the first yeah. half, particularly, should have been out of sight. Um, and you know, even against Arsenal as well, you can't you can't afford to miss those chances. But the the back the defence that we've seen from Arsenal this season hasn't been that impressive. Peter Cech's bailed them out on a number of occasions when he's had the ball in his hands, at least. Uh, and, he was man of the match, wasn't he? Yeah, Everton, and I think if Watford play the same way that they played against Fulham, go at Arsenal from the from the start, and they get an early goal, I think it could it could be a, a, a real fruitful afternoon for Watford. Everything about Arsenal, I can only do is concur with everything that Dan said. Mm. So I, I leave Arsenal alone. But just about Watford, I was watching that Watford game at the weekend. <coughs> And I was, I was watching it while I was down at Crystal Palace. And that was amazing how Watford were in the first half. And I watched Watford, seen Watford against Manchester United. It's the best I've seen Watford play football in a long, long time. I felt they should have, in theory, you look at it, beat a Manchester United. If we were to go by stats, yeah. the stats said Manchester United won. Sorry, Watford would have won the game. Yeah, I agree, yeah. yeah that way, if we were looking at it, I hate stats. But football-wise, they, they play better football than United. Against Fulham, that first half... For 40 minutes, it was how Fulham went in, went in what the score it was is incredible, and it allowed Fulham to come back and nearly win the yeah. game as well. They're, they're one of the few teams that play 4 4 2. They're doing mm. it very well. Obviously, Burnley do it really well as well. But I think the biggest thing, they look really fit as a team now as well. I don't know what Grazia did in pre season, but um, you, you obviously try. Yeah, benchmark is Dini, yeah, isn't it? Dini's lost weight. Um, they all they all on this kind of dietary mm. program. They all look really fit, and you have to be to play four four two, to play with two kind of central midfielders. Um, Decore, he's got brilliant legs. Kapui in there. You have to be really fit as a team. So I think that's been one of the the biggest improvements for them. Um, one one potential area you talk about fitness and Troy Dini, he's got three broken toes and damaged ankle ligaments, and he's going to play. He was on the radio the other night, said, "I'm going to get injections, and it's not going to stop me playing." Mm. Uh, you know, and that that could be a problem <laughs> for anyone. <laughs> well, well, as, did you have injections in your career? I mean, well, how did that affect your performance? I was about right? to say, welcome back to 1990. That yeah. was my time when I had I had it in my ankle. I had I had my ligaments were knackered, 
93-94 season when we was doing a double, but I didn't want to miss a game. So I was having I was having injections. I was I was I was living and breathing anti-inflammatories. So happens 93 after night start. Of Could you still deliver your best? That season, I took got to the cup final. I thought I'd rest over the summer, come back, broke down. Um, November 1994, ankle operation, struggle. Yeah. So in certain ways, I love what I love that. I, I love because you're not here. You're not going to hear many stories. That's the first time I heard it, by the way. When you see that commitment, that honesty, and that what you want to give everything for the club you love and doing it with your teammates. But in the, the the long the long game is shouldn't be doing that. Should not be doing that. I've got to have a hip operation as well in November because of the fact I was compensating for that. For Repercussions so from your playing days. Yeah. yeah. So that's what that's all I'm saying about that. Uh, look, it's going to be a good game, no doubt about it. And Troy Deeney isn't going to miss it, that is for sure. Let's move on to Man City up against Brighton. Uh, it's a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Uh, City unbeaten their last 32 games, kicking off 3pm on a Saturday. That's a little stat I like this week. Uh, Gabs, you were at the Cardiff game for your sins I last was, week. Was, um, yeah. We'll talk about the Cardiff perspective if there was one a little bit later. <laughs> Should be quick. Right? But what about the City perspective? How good were they on the day and who impressed you? You know what? They weren't that good. They really? didn't have to be that good. Um, for half an hour, they were poor. You know, uh, I was re- when you say poor, do you mean a Manchester for, United poor, well, or a Man City poor? Because well, Cardiff kind of yeah. were physical, weren't they, in that first half hour? They held uh, them quite well. Yeah, but it was more Man City um, not really being on their game. Um, you know, they, they couldn't get that passing going. Silly mistakes. Pep was out in the technical area. You could see you weren't happy with what he was seeing. But once they got that first goal, then. Everything just seemed to click into gear um, and it was very easy for them. Um, and I think it'd be very similar again <laughs> at home to Brighton. Um, I can't see Brighton going there and getting anything. Cardiff, to be fair, they, they didn't put up much resistance. You know, defensively, they, were all over, they weren't organised enough to to even give Man City a game. I expect Chris Hewton's team to um, put up a bit more of a fight, be a lot more kind of organised and difficult to beat, but... I mean, City at home, I mean, Aguero in particular, I think he's got 14 goals, three assists in the last 10 home games, something stupid. So um, <laughs> you, you can only see a Man City win. Um, I mean, you look at the team that they put out against Oxford in midweek as well. Um, a weakened team, apparently, and you've got David Silva playing, Jesus comes in, the young Foden's playing. He was fantastic, Company apparently, Foden. Was playing, yeah. I mean, the squad depth that they've got is, is, is just incredible. So um, I can only see Man City, you know, probably two or three goals that's just the levels that they're, mm. they're playing at at the minute I've seen Brighton the last few weeks uh, I watched the game against Tottenham did the commentary of the Southampton game before that and in every game they seem to have about half an hour where they're just dreadful utterly dreadful they can't keep the ball and then suddenly often when they go behind in the yeah, game it all picks up again and I think they've missed Pascal Gross in the side I'm not sure if he's going to be fit enough to play this weekend but Eve Basuma has been very indifferent when I've seen him what is it about teams that they need a kick up the backside during the game of a couple of goals conceded to get back in it's it's more common than it should be in a lot of ways I think we have to put it down to human nature and the way the team is set up and what's expected of them you see with Brighton when it comes to a big game they seem to lift themselves, but they get something about them. They went to Anfield, and to be honest, they could have got something from Anfield. Yeah. You know, they didn't, you know, they've gone there and they've, they've had a real go at it. We saw them against Manchester United, even Spurs, they, you know, they, they really they push them to the limits. So we, ex- we would expect them to, to push Man City to the limits because of the occasion. The difference is, though, if you go and concede that goal too early, I think mentally, as and you can't do anything about it, it's human nature. You suddenly, your head goes down, you think, this ain't going to happen again because 
City have got that belief about them, that kind of mm. themselves. They know that they're that good. And when they can get in front, when you play against them, you know they're that good. I've been to Anfield when I was at Fulham and we got beat 10-0 in the League Cup game. And you just went there and the ball and you just go, well, he's a good player. Can't get near him. <laughs> he's fantastic. Ian Rushwell, he's just... And that's what you do. You just, in virtue, you tell yourself, well, he's that good. You, you know, if you had a son who was talking like that, you'd slap him around here. Don't be silly. Mm. But we all do it when you go to those kind of things. The bonus was it was a two-legged affair. Do you win 11-0? No, no, no. We like we only lost the second leg 3-2. Oh, that's yeah, respectable it's not, then. Yeah, it's a little bit, yeah. Well, I think they made changes. Just the 14. <laughs> I think they made changes. But they, had, they did have a squad of 15 then, so they might have made two or three changes <laughs> to, to weaken it. So does anyone see any scenario where Brighton gets something no, from this game at all? they haven't won in 16 Premier League away games. They can't do it away that's from surprising. home. That's surprising. That is so surprising. You think they're set up to do well away. The way they are. The organisation of Chris Hutton's team, John the way five lost, them in. John Five lost 11 of the last 16, only scored seven away yeah, from home in that round. Goals, yeah, but no. If you see some of their performances last season, Old Trafford, they should have got something from Old Trafford. Mm. But they? didn't. I mean, that's, no, that's the point, I isn't mean, it? I know, but I'm saying, yeah, but yeah. it's not as if they're going, going away from home and being weak and everything bad about a side who are not bothered. But th- th- there's something about them. They just need something to trigger. They need that little bit. I've uh, got to move on, but I will say with Brighton that the big issue with them is that they wasted their summer transfer window and bought no one that comes into that first team and improves them. And I think they might struggle as this season goes on with last season's team. Going to struggle this weekend against Man City, as everyone does, that's for sure. Uh, next up, we'll talk about Tottenham, who go to Huddersfield, and the rest of the Premier League games. Right, let's talk about Huddersfield Town up against Tottenham Hotspur this weekend. All three of the Terriers' Premier League goals this season have come from set pieces, uh, including the only two from throw-ins in the division this season. Uh, at home, they're not winning games, they're not scoring goals. Tottenham, the visitors this weekend. Uh, Danny Gabbardon, how do Huddersfield Town go about getting a victory against Tottenham? Um... Well, I think there needs to be a change in mentality from the manager. Um, they're so negative for me. Um, and even the manager kind of coming out after a 3-1 loss last weekend, after going in front, and you know, he's still kind of happy with the, the performance, what the players are doing. He's still confident that um, they're going to pick up results in the future. Well, you haven't picked up any results yet. You haven't won a game yet. Um, well, how many goals have they scored? I think it's three. Yep. Conceded 14. Um and it's very much how they were last season. They got off to a decent start last season and um, fell away, kind of hung on, got a couple of results when they need them at, at the end. But they're just they're just so rigid, so kind of negative, even at home. Um, you know, they played Cardiff a few weeks back and they didn't create nothing against them. Then they end up getting a man sent off and were hanging on and end up getting a draw. And he was absolutely delighted with, with the point. And I just don't think they can go through a Premier League season this season playing that way and no. survive I think last season they got lucky because there were some really bad yeah. teams around them as well who underperformed so um, I fear for them unless they get more on the front foot um, trying to attack particularly at home um, I think they're, they're, they're in deep I trouble I think set pieces is the only way they can hurt Tottenham this weekend they, all yeah. three goals they've scored this season have been from set pieces that is mm. a weakness of Tottenham um, and Tottenham well. haven't been that good mm. at defending set pieces however I still think Spurs will win this game comfortably. Yeah, let's move on to Everton against Fulham, 3 o'clock UK time on Saturday. Um, Dave made a great point last week on the preview show about... Happens sometimes. Every it? now and then he makes a good one. I remember <laughs> it. I always remember them. They stick out. Rarities. Uh, and he basically said that Marco Silva, to paraphrase, we question whether we can set up a defence. Uh, Michael Keane came back last week against Arsenal. We're still waiting to see Yerry Mina 
the mystery that is Yerimina. Kurt Zuma, who was awful for Stoke, couldn't get in the Chelsea team, is their lead defender. John Joe Kenny and, and, and Digne have, have not covered themselves in glory in recent times. Um, and against Fulham, Fulham are going to go for him. They've got Mitrovic, the informed striker in Premier League football. Do we still doubt Marco Silva's a good coach tactically, defensively? I think we have to. I mean, he's, start, I mean, he's living off what he'd done for Hull and they still got relegated. They kind of been... There was quite exciting to watch Hull in, in their campaign to stay up. They didn't stay up and then and there's been this battle over him. Everton have gone out and put themselves in a position where they could end up with a fine for poaching to get this person with no great credentials as such in the UK. Um, and, we, and at the moment in time, he's been found wanting. Seems like, again, that Everton have gone and spent a lot of money in pre-season and it looks like it's going to fail again. It hasn't. Nothing's really gone after a good, a decent, the first game or so. Everyone thought, "Oh, this this looks okay." Mm. After that, it's gone a little bit peat tong, hasn't it? Really, it just mm. just ain't working out. Well, it's the same situation as last season when it, this time last year when he was at Watford. It's all with Charlison. Yeah, he's the main man, isn't he? He mm. looks like he can score goals, but the rest of it, I mean, yeah, yeah he's mm. been a good signing. But the rest of the uh, the signings, well, we don't know yet with some of them because obviously they got they got a lot of injuries at the minute, mm. so. I think we judge Marco Silva in the next couple of weeks when maybe he can get um, some continuity with his two centre-halves. But um, I do think he is on billboard time. I think he is a bit of a, of a, a myth. I don't think he really is that bothered about the defensive side of the game. He's, he's very much focused on the attacking side. So this is going to be a really... A really open game. Of I think football, we do. One. I mean, one thing you know, what Evertonians are like. You know, when you see them, when you listen to them, with the, the whole thing with the Sam Allardyce thing, there's no. He hasn't got much time left before they're going to start getting at him. Yeah. They got to Big Sam. They did that from day one because they couldn't stand him from yeah. day one. They're giving this fella a bit of time, and now we. I think that time is getting close now to where they're going to want something to change. OK, you, you can't guarantee results, but they're looking for a performance. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I think they will be pleased with the attacking desire. The, the, yeah, the desire to play than, attacking than football is what yes. they wanted. And, yeah. you know, we'll see if it comes. It's a home game against Fulham. They've got to be looking to win it, haven't they? Just quickly on Fulham, uh, of course, the game against Watford last week was the early game. Was it me or was Ryan Sessegnon playing fullback? He's yes. been moved yes. back yes. in the yes. team. Yes, he has, yeah. yeah. What, what do you make to Ryan Sessegnon, who last season was, uh, you know, the attacking force of the championship now being put back into that back four? I would, I said it from when I first saw him play, and, I, and again, I saw Fulham last season on a few occasions. I don't know what his best position is mm. because he's not, for me, he's not a left back for the simple reason is he has, he's not a tackler. He's not physically strong and be, be honest, phys, being physical strong isn't how you look on the outside, it's about what's inside. So if you if you want something, you're going to work hard to get it and you're willing to take a knock to get it. I don't think he really wants to do that. Um, he hasn't got a great change of pace and he's not physically strong in the air. He's not a big fella. And I think me and Danny can vouch for the fact of not being big and maybe how many balls he won in the air mm. as centre-halves. And if you want it, you can go and get it, but you can you can affect people. Mm. I don't think he can do that. As a footballer, good footballer. What his strength was for Fulham was more than anything where he played, mm. but he's a great goal poacher. Yeah. He knows where to go in that final third to find the ball. And, and at the moment, I think that um, Jukanovic is struggling where to play him. He knows he can't play him in left midfield area. The only way he can do it is by playing three at the back. But I don't know if he wants to go mm. to three at the back. Mm. And as well, that back four, that first game I went to, start of the season, they played at home to Palace. Completely new back four from last season. And as much as anything, you try and keep things when you get promoted. But injuries 
threatened it. And now he's in a position where every game he's changed his back four at yeah. Fulham. Yeah. Got to move on to Cardiff against Burnley. It's the only game on Sunday, four o'clock UK time. Uh, Gabs, you have watched a lot of Cardiff this season. Yeah. Uh, of course, a former Cardiff player as well. I just got a question about Neil Warnock, really. It feels a little bit like it's a nice big day out for Neil Warnock. He's going to Stanford Bridge in his shorts, blowing his nose, having a lovely day, putting his anky on his head. Isn't it great to be back in the Premier League? And they're going to go down with maybe 20 points, 25 points. They look so far off. I feel sorry for Ward and Reed because Ward has to keep jumping up and trying to win a ball. And then Reed has to beat five players to the loose yeah. ball. And that's about it. Yeah. Any chance for Cardiff at all? I mean, I know we try and focus on the games, but yeah. from what you've seen so far... Um, they need to improve in a, in a lot of areas, um, and for me, this is a must. I know it's early in the season, but this yeah, is a must-win game. It's huge. It's not just not just for league position at the moment. It's for giving those players the belief that yeah. they can win Premier League matches. Surely, hundred percent, and and totally agree with you, Tom. I think Neil Warnock's gone a bit soft. He looks in awe of the Premier League and the teams he's coming up against, and and I think the players do a little bit as well. They're lacking that belief. Um, I don't think the manager's got them tactically set up in the correct way at the minute. That's not his strength, though. No. I think he, every, everything about every time he's gone there, he's got relegated yeah. or he's been sacked. Yeah. And I think himself now, because he's calming, he's calming himself down now because he's getting to that point in life where he wants to relax. Even he, he might have told himself, I don't want to get too et up here. Because remember... He was hated as a as a manager in the Premier League mm. because of the way he conducted himself, and you know he didn't have all the ethics that went with being in there. And I think he's calmed, and maybe that's yeah. not, players are kind of going with the bosses relax, so they relax as we do, yeah. and we react to how the manager reacts. And maybe the players have gone that yeah. way. But just going back to what's been said, as a player, if you see yourself and you don't beat Burnley. And then you look what else you got to play. You're you're worried. Yeah. You're seriously worried. You need the fans and the players as well. And the problem was, Burnley won four last weekend as well. Obviously yeah. had a poor start to They'll season, but yeah. yeah. And they needed that, Burnley, didn't they? they? Did. Really needed they that. Did. I thought they were fantastic. Their little spell in the first half where they scored a couple of goals in like mm. 30, 40 seconds. There was a five-minute period where you could just see they were like, we've got to do this now. And they went right on the front foot. I've got, a little, I've got a little stat for you on uh, when it comes to Burnley. Here we go. This, this stood out <laughs> for me when I was looking at the stats this weekend. Did you know that uh, because of his uh, two goals last week against Bournemouth, Ashley Barnes is now the second highest Austrian goal scorer in Premier League history? Ooh. Say that again. He's Austrian. Ashley Barnes qualifies to play for Austria. He played for their under-20s. Really? Who's number one? I did not know that. Anatovic is number oh, one, of yeah, course. Of course it's Anatovic. Yeah, of course. I, should just, have I just couldn't believe it. It wasn't Hans Krankel, was it? <laughs> <laughs> it may have been. I didn't know, right? Uh, let's talk about Newcastle up against Leicester City. Oh. Uh, Newcastle's home form, uh, really, really shocking. Uh, since the start of last season, no team has lost more home Premier League games than Newcastle United. Uh, up against the Leicester side, who have been improving, I think, every passing week. I think James Madison looks like a, a really good buy. Really creative talent. I love him the link-up between him and Jamie Vardy they showed last week against Huddersfield as well. But how do Newcastle go about winning this game? Because they can't just keep trying to get draws, trying to stop the other team. They've got to get on the front foot. Can they do it, Paul? Are they capable? So you ask me a question and you give the answer. You gave me the answer. What's there. the answer? No? The, no, the answer was they've got to try. Right. Because I was at Crystal Palace last weekend and it was totally embarrassing what I saw from Newcastle. Absolute embarrassing. The way they went about it. Second half... They come out and it was going going to be nil-nil. They had a go in the last 10 minutes. They they tried to do something in hope they might nick three points. But it was absolutely awful. How I mean, you saw the the sitter that Sacco missed anyway, the Mm. header. But Palace weren't great, but Palace didn't really have enough in the final third. They're too reliant on Zaha. 
They need they need an out and out goal scorer in that side. They need someone who's going to score fifteen goals in that side in a central position. They need one badly. If they get that, Palace are decent, better than what they are. But for Newcastle, there's no there's no drive in them. There's no purpose. I was sitting near to John Anderson, who's, who was a right back for Newcastle during the time when I used to play against them mm. in my Fulham and QPR times. And he's sitting there and he was doing a radio for, for one of the stations up there. And mm. You could just see him shaking his head because he was just seeing no ambition. There was no ambition there from him at all. And that's Raf. Is that mm. Raf of? Is that Raf of saying, "Oh, I haven't got what I wanted, yeah. so yeah. I'm just going." Is, is it's he just refl- it's reflective of the whole situation at yeah. the club, isn't it? I think yeah. he's he's almost doing it purposely. I, I mean, they were negative at times last season, but they're doing it against every team now this season so it's almost as if Rafa is doing it personally to prove a point to to Mike Ashley I think Um, and the players like I watched them um, against Cardiff and the players are just shackled you know you can see them they're so rigid they're not allowed to express themselves Kennedy Kennedy last season he came in on loan did really well this season he has been Nothing short of horrendous, to be fair. I saw him play at Cardiff, and it was one of the worst individual performances I have <laughs> I've ever seen. I think first half, he didn't pass the ball to a Newcastle player in the first half. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> and I just look at him going forward. Um, I mean, he's brought Rondon in. He's very similar to, to Hosselu. Neither of those two are going to get you 15 goals. He's got rid of Dwight Gale, who's gone. And Mitrovic. Goals, and Mitrovic the goal scorers. Him in at Fulham. They're goal scorers. They're different to what he had. So, unless Iuzi Perez, kind of, who's a little mm. bit different, unless he steps up and starts um, scoring goals, then they're, they're in tr- deep trouble. They've got Mutu, Mutu as well. Yeah, they, they the brought Japanese him book. in. Will yeah. he come on a sub? Yeah, he came on a sub. He, yeah. he, <laughs> I think that sums it up. No, uh, I couldn't get anything out about him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's new. He's new to the Premier League. Certainly new. Did I say he's Japanese? Uh, that counts. Yeah, that right, counts as something. Right. Great <laughs> research. Yeah, thank uh, you. We've got to move on. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers against Southampton Saturday at three o'clock. Wolves are one of five Premier League sides to unbeaten at home. Uh, their company: City, Liverpool, Chelsea. And Bournemouth, but still uh, a very impressive start to Premier League life. A good performance again last week at Manchester United. Um, I'm really loving that midfield pairing as well. The, the, the Neves Matinho thing we've spoken about a lot on the show, but it just looks like the perfect combination of players, doesn't it? Don't you think Neves and Matinho? You, you say to yourself, why, why hasn't someone gone and brought him to the UK earlier, mm. Matinho? Why hasn't someone gone and got Neves? He's only young. It's ridiculous. Well, they're so, talking about hundred million to yeah, City, and oh, that's what that's yeah, maybe, almost yeah, every maybe, day yeah, these days. Yeah, maybe there might be a, a feeder club because the way the way they play is very much, and the players are a little bit kind of like Pep orientated. It seems that kind of way. I saw them play last season in the Championship, and they was far and away ahead of everybody. I saw them lose to Queens Park Rangers at um, Loftus Road, and how how they lost that game, I really don't know. But QPR just bullied them just just physically battered them in the end. But then I saw him, sorry to say this, I saw him against West Ham mm. and that last minute goal. Yeah, but they deserve to oh, win. They deserve, I mean, the football they played was was immense. They're, they're gonna, they'll finish quite high up the, le- the league this season. They're a decent outfit with a very, very good coach. Yeah, I think the only thing they miss is a kind of prolific striker, yeah. really. Mm. Um, Absolutely. Jimenez who come in, Bonatini. They're not bad. They'll, they'll. Yeah. I think they'll get goals, but I think there'll be games where they dominate possession, create chances, and mm. might get done the other end because you know they miss three or four chances, and then someone's clinical against them. But 
I got to say, I was worried when I saw that Martino Neves period start of the season. I thought, hmm, yeah. like not a lot of defensiveness there. Is there enough legs? But to be fair, they've been brilliant, and you know, tactically, Nuno's got them set up really well. You know, they keep possession, um, and a lot of the kind of plaudits are going to the likes of Neves and, and Martino and stuff. But I think you've got to give credit to the lads, some of the you know the Connor Cody's as I'm well, Doherty, like well. Ryan yep. Bennett, yep. these guys. Know, I was stepped Doc- in. Is it Doherty, the left back? Yeah, yep. right wing back. Right, yeah. right wing back. I saw him when he was at London Stadium. He's not a right wing back. He was, but he was going past the winger. Yeah, he was getting past more. The winger was stepping inside. He was right. Yeah. He must have had three efforts at goal. Yeah, I did. I said three, and I put two things up. God <laughs> help me. Where, where am I at the moment? Um, but he was. At, I was looking at him. I thought to myself, he's. He, Honestly, he's a, they play you'd sack freedom. him as a manager because yeah. he's lying because he's yeah. he's not he's not a wing back. Yeah. There must be because he was up there, he was back. Yeah. Absolutely great performance. But these guys have stepped Stadium. in, stepped up to that level, and, and performed really well. As yeah, well, I'm so. glad we mentioned a few of those players there. I think Connor Cody's been fantastic every time yeah. I've seen Wolves. Uh, Southampton, I think anyone's been fantastic this season. Danny Ings is back this weekend. Of course, couldn't play against Liverpool. Might do him a favour, but they just feel lifeless. They feel yeah. lifeless. Southampton. Every time I was doing the Brighton game, the moment Brighton went two up, I was sitting with Jason Dodd, and he says going to be 2-2 there is no way they hold on to this and they struggle at home they struggle away they look out of shape the defence looks poor Wesley Hoot looks like a bean pile with no muscle on him Recruitment. you're going to hate this Paul but you know uh, Southampton Southampton they've got the biggest differential between in the expected goals stat so they according to the expected goals they should have scored 9 they've only scored 6 which means they're perhaps getting is that good, missing chances they're in good positions but they're not putting away the chances they should score it's been a problem for the last 2-3 seasons with Charlie Austin you know, doesn't bang him in. Who does? I know they've got Ings in who started the season well, but poor old Shane Long as well. I mean, just, stop putting him in front of he goal. Just it's, runs. it's painful at this point. Yeah, he, he just, can't shoot. He shouldn't be allowed to shoot. <laughs> just run the channel. Someone stop him and cross the ball. Like, even to if there's honest, no one in there. To be honest, a farmer would love him, wouldn't he? Because honestly, yeah. he covers so much yeah, grass. Yeah, he can be a nightmare. For wouldn't he? It's <laughs> just incredible. Amount <laughs> of grass. It's incredible. And um, the thing that does me, and everyone always comes to me when Southampton lose a game. They want to come. They always come up to me and they only say one thing. Mm. You and mate Sparky looks miserable. <laughs> and I always come out and say the thing about. I love Mark Hughes. Mm. Without a doubt, he is a great person. One also, Sparky is very shy. He's a shy person. He's yeah. not allowed or anything. And all he wants to do when we're when playing with him, play a game. All he wants to do is get back. Get back to his family. Mm. Get back. It's all he's bothered. He'll have a drink, but all he talk about getting back to his family. When you see him, it's more about frustration. People have got the wrong idea of Mark Hughes. They see him on TV, and Spark, as the saying goes, is a winner. He wants to win games. He absolutely can't deal with losing. He hates losing, and all he's bothered. He wants to get there, and all he wants to do is go and win a tackle. You win a tackle, and it's like, yeah, that's how you do it. Or someone go get, go give me the ball, and he'll go and volley one in. Because he was that good at it. So does he need a shouter in the camp then? Does he need someone to do that job for him? Because I've, Mark Bowen's been an assistant for years I've, and years I've, and he's not that kind of guy. Do you know what? Sometimes I look, at, I look at good managers, I look at great managers. And when you look at some great managers, and, and I don't look at like Mourinho like that because it's a different way. Mm. I, I, the person I judge it by is Sir Alex Ferguson. Sometimes you need to change. Freshen it up, add something different. I think that Sparky needs to have different people mm. around him with he different ideas. And just have someone to come out. I don't think that, Mark. I really don't think that's right, Mark. I think we should do this. And just change it up, yes? And you look at it, they're all great friends, a lot of Welsh lads all together, great friends. But when you when I'm when you're next to a friend, 
as much as you, you, you should be friends and tell each other the truth, sometimes as a friend do, you don't yeah. want to, Danny, do you? You yeah. don't really want to because you think to yourself, I could upset him, that could affect my friendship, and that yeah. comes into it after a while. I only see Wolves dominating this game. I, I can't see Southampton getting anything from it. I think it's, it's going to be a nothing season, really, for Southampton. They're not going to go down, I don't think. But you don't think? I don't think so. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think they could be in it. I think them and Newcastle are going to be yeah, in it. Southampton's strength over the years, the last few Premier League years, has always been about these young players coming through. These young players are going, wow, and they're being sold off. And we talk about this production line, this academy at Southampton. Yeah, what's, what's happened to it now? Liverpool mm. don't want any of their players anymore, do they? <laughs> Taking them all now. There's nothing left. See, if you're not coming out with stats, you're, come, you're being cynical. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we've got to move on. Uh, really briefly, one final game. Monday Night Football. We're way away from it at the moment. Uh, it's Bournemouth against Crystal Palace. Could be a great end-to-end game of football. Uh, Gabs, former Crystal Palace man. I think Bournemouth... Uh, have been fantastic to watch but Crystal Palace on the road been fantastic as well yeah um, I think this has got the makings of a really good game Bournemouth obviously that result on the weekend against Burnley was a big surprise they mm. did have chances actually to, but they didn't take them um, Palace it's goals you know as Paul said um, Ben Teke what can I say about move him mm. move on yeah. not even playing him I don't know if he's injured but he was not a prolific uh, goal scorer oh. so heavily Reliant on on Wilf and what he does, um, but he's delivering him. He's doing it. Yeah, I mean he's a, he's a fabulous player. He's a fabulous player. So um, when he doesn't play, they don't win. It's as simple as that. So important he is. So um, they've had a decent start to the season. Palace. They've they've been defensively a lot better than um, in recent seasons. They haven't conceded too many, but they haven't scored too many. So they haven't scored at home yet, have they? Haven't scored have they? a home goal, yeah. a home Premier League goal. I like the two centre halves together. Sacco's a brilliant centre half, and it must have been yeah, a really Tom good Kins. reason for Klopp to let him go mm. because he's is a really good centre half. Tomkins is honest. Whenever he, he plays, they look better. Look, Whenever Tomkins plays, they, they look, look a better, better, better solid I'll tell you team. What I like more, I like I like him Van Arnott. I like what he does going forward. Very clever fullback. But I'm a big fan of Wan Pasaka. Mm. Oh, prospect he is, man, yeah. Honestly, I'm a mad fan. I like him because he reminds me. Of a traditional fullback, but then his confidence in the final third is absolutely mm. fantastic. And everyone's raving about, um, is it Terence Trent Derby at Liverpool? Terence Trent Derby. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's raving. Everyone's raving about him. But I'll tell you what, he's you a put, better defender. Than yeah, him. yeah. Better, but you put this boy in. A, <laughs> you put this boy in a Liverpool shirt. Mm. And I'll tell you what, everyone be raving about him yeah, as well. He's a pure athlete. Yeah, he's you, a pure you're athlete. Running one on one. One, I'll tell you, one against. Him but you put him in positions. To tackle and he tackles, yeah. he wins it clean, and he's, he's, he's recovery. He's like a young fantastic. Paul Parker, isn't he? <laughs> he's a taller version. Tell us, Trent Derby. And he's got he's got little dreadlocks. He's looked like he's going to keep his hair longer. Um, there's every chance he's like well, Paul Parker. It was yeah. interesting what Hodgson said last weekend because Wolf was really quiet last weekend. He didn't really do too much, no. and obviously after the game he came out saying, "Well." with the whole kind of you know getting kicked thing and when he come out and said look uh, mm. does he need my leg to be broken I think Hodgson mm. actually come out saying he thought that maybe affected his performance last weekend so I don't know if that's true or not if it was just you know he was due probably a quiet game anyway the way he's been playing but but obviously everything attacking wise it, it really surrounds around him so if he's back on form um, then you could see them maybe going to, to Bournemouth and, and picking up a victory but Bournemouth are 
are very good at home, as, as mm. we know. So. That is every game looked at ahead of this weekend. Thank you to our panel for this week. A reminder, if you're listening to this programme on a radio station, you can download an extended podcast. Search for TalkSport Premier League Preview Show on Acast, iTunes or any other good podcast provider. We're off to listen to the hits of Terence Trent Derby. See you again. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.